Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking with Bungie. I am Rich Wilson and this is my podcast, the podcast for Death by Bungie, my YouTube channel. You're probably here because you saw the Breaking Limbs series on the YouTube channel. And I hope you're getting a kick out of that. If you haven't seen it yet, please do check it out. This episode of Talking with Bungie is filling in the gaps, so to speak, with those Breaking Limbs videos. Those videos, I interviewed four or five people for that series of videos to get my head around the topic of Breaking Limbs. And it's way too much material to include in videos. Over time, a lot of that material, those interviews and whatnot, will find its way into those videos. But man, it's, it would make the videos, each one of them would be an hour long, right? Originally, I thought of doing one really, really long video, but it's just not the way YouTube works. I think our lives are better set up for shorter bits of information. And those videos are ranging between 15 minutes and 25 minutes, 28 minutes, something like that. And I think that's plenty. So to cut those down, I take out a lot of material, and then I put that material in a podcast so you can sit and listen to the entire, pretty much unedited video. There's a little bit of fluff here and there taken out, but for the most part, all of the content is there so that you can make your own judgments as to what to do with that information or how valuable that information is in your mindset, okay, as far as crossbows are concerned. With the podcast, too, you'll notice last week we had Darren Cummings on air. That was my interview with him. It was only part one of a two-part Darren Cummings interview. And you're probably tuning in this week if you listen to that one because I cut it off right at the good part, didn't I? Yeah, right at the good part. But that's okay. That good part will be in next week's video on the YouTube channel. So it's coming up. It'll be in episode four, Breaking Limbs. So you can hear exactly what he's talking about, along with a lot of other good information. Tips for saving your limbs, for extending the life of the limbs of your crossbow. That's the final episode of Breaking Limbs. This podcast actually had to be broken up into parts as well. I got to the half hour mark and I thought, you know, we're going to have to break it up. So this is my interview with David Wilkins of Wyvern Creations up in Lee, New Hampshire. I don't know if you're familiar with Wyvern Creations, but I think you should be. Go to their website, check it out. It's really, really neat. Whether or not you are in the market for a new crossbow, that doesn't really matter. You can look at 10 points, Ravens, Excalibur, Scorbids, Missions, Wicked Ridge, even the new Lancehead series of crossbows is on there. You can check these out. Neat to play around with different packages. They will customize packages. They'll sell you one without a scope on it, which how cool is that? I have a handful of the Twilight DLX scopes, the old Excalibur scopes that I really like. And as long as I'm shooting 410 feet per second or slower, I can use that scope most likely. That's pretty cool. I really like that scope. So buying a new crossbow, as long as it's in that speed range, you're probably not upgrading the scope, if you know what I mean. So those are something to look at. So do check out Wyvern Creations. I think it's wyverncreations.com. Pretty easy to find. And you can see all of those offerings. Now, this is my interview with David Wilkins. And we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. I mean, I seriously do because I know you guys, this is a busy time of year for you. I can just imagine. Um, there isn't, a, there isn't a non-busy time of year. Maybe sometime like May. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Oh, that's good that. to hear. 
Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm either dealing with people in season, out of season, new product, you know, it's, 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 it's constantly something. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Cause in the spring you've got all brand new products coming through the shop and all that stuff. Yeah. There you go. You think it would quiet down. Yeah. I, I, I tell people, it's like, you know, they're all like, Oh, I'd love to get in and do what you do for a living. And I'm like, do you like the hunt? I'm like, yeah. Do you like the fish? Yeah. I was like, don't do what I do for a living. You'll never do it. I get five hours a year if I'm lucky. And the only reason that happens is when I'm like, screw it. I'm walking outside and I walk 300 yards behind my house. You know, so it's just, it's part of the fun. You, you got to do that or you're not going to service your customers. It's as simple yeah, as that. No, I hear you. Yeah. My daughter is now uh, taking a taxidermy apprenticeship. That's her goal in life is to be a full-time taxidermist. So she's learning that as well. Like this is the busy time of year. She, she, we hunted a little bit in October, but now she's just taking in the rifle deer. That's what she's doing. Yeah. And that's kind of where you're at. And I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, the, the quickest way to close an archery store is hang up a gone hunting sign during November. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I just want to get your thoughts on this stuff. I'm doing a series of videos on, I do mostly crossbow related stuff. That's my thing. And I'm going to be doing a series of videos on limb breakages. I uh, had a limb break on a micro suppressor 355 this year, my daughter's crossbow. You know, it is what it is. And, and on my crossbow, my original crossbow was a Axiom. Okay, an Excalibur Axiom from 2010. Right, right. Whole different animal, you know, and different expectations. That's a lot of it. And uh, and it's lightly used, to be honest with you. It might have 500 shots on it or something. But um, And that, you know, over 12 years is just, that's my style. That's what I do. And I've since moved up. Doing everybody else. Everybody does that, though. That That's one of the biggest problems we have is people don't use their bows. As a matter of fact, to lead into this, if you don't mind, you'll appreciate this. I called up gordon glass one time because we were running into problems with uh try to remember who the manufacturer was saying uh, it was somebody and uh i'm like okay something's up with these and i called up gordon i said listen i said how do you test these limbs you know what are you doing he says oh well we'll go through and we'll build limbs we'll pull random ones out we'll throw them through a cycle machine and we'll cycle them for like ten thousand cycles and then we'll test to see what the reduction in pull is and stuff like that. I said, okay. I said, so what you're doing is you're taking a brand new limb out of the box and you're putting it into a vice and you're pulling it back and letting it go, pulling it back and letting it go. Okay, great. I said, that's not how people shoot crossbows. He's like, what? I said, well, stop and think about it. I said, if you have a vertical bow, what are you going to do? You're going to buy your bow and you're going to shoot how many hundreds of arrows before you ever consider taking it out into the woods. And if it's not shooting, the bow is relaxed. It's under some pressure, but it's not under full drop. I said, you take your average crossbow guy, buys a brand new crossbow, takes it outside, eight, nine shots, sights it in, and hangs on a hook in his garage until the day before hunting season. He hunts, he fishes, long thing, right? Day before hunting season, he pulls it out of the, bar, out of the garage, Throws an arrow down range at 30 yards, says, yep, still sight in, cocks the bow and sits in a tree for eight hours. And I'm like, it's had maybe what, six, eight, ten shots, maybe before sitting in the wool, full draw uh, in the woods at full draw for eight hours and multiple weekends in a row. And it doesn't have any time to break in. I said, if you take fiberglass with linear fibers, okay, and you bend it and relax it, you bend it, relax it, bend it, relax it, you're gonna get cracking, okay. Those cracks, if it's bent and relaxed and bent and relaxed, do not link up. It's wearing itself in. It's like if you took a, a piece of wood and go, 
it's going to break. But if you go, you can gradually get to know it. Okay, great. Now I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you what he's demonstrating with his hands. That's the downside of a podcast. You can't really see what he's doing. But basically what he is uh, showing is imagine you got your hands apart in front of you with a 20 inch piece of wood, like a dowel rod in between the two hands, right out in front of you. And if you bend it really, really fast and hold it, it breaks. But if you bend it slowly, right, slowly bending it and relaxing it, bend it and relax it, bend it and relax it, moving your hands closer and closer together and bending and relaxing, you can get a little bit of bend out of that, right? That is what he is demonstrating about crossbow limbs. Same thing happens with fiberglass. He said, so what you're doing is you're taking these brand new limbs, you're six, eight times maybe, and then you're going and you're sitting there with it. And all these micro cracks line up. Now you get the edge splinters and the individual little, little, you know, things popping up. So I told the guy at Gordon, I said, why don't you take some of these limbs, pull them back eight, 10 times, and then cock it and leave it for a weekend. Let me know what you find. He goes, what? I didn't know they did that. I said, yeah, that's how people work with crossbows. And I said, they're not breaking in the limbs. They're not allowing the things to stretch and crack and kind of work itself in. It's, it's like buying a brand new Corvette and throwing a brick on the accelerator and going to lunch and hoping that there's an engine still there when you come back. Same problem. So a lot of the limb issues are because crossbows are too damn easy and nobody spends their whole summer throwing hundreds of arrows down range. That's interesting. You're guilty of that too, aren't you? Well, I am. Um, I am <laughs> with everybody yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, my first season with that crossbow, I probably shot. 30 arrows before I killed my first deer with it. Then it sat yep. in the house until the next year, you know? Yep. And I got and people out there. I got people out there that are bringing in bows that are 10, 12 years old. Like, oh, it's the original strings and cables. Well, I don't shoot it much. It's like, you know, the bow's old enough to vote, you know? I'm like, maybe you ought to maintain it now and then. So, yeah, it's, it's, but that's, I, I, the, the poor engineer at Gordon Glass just looked at me like, oh my God, we never thought of that. <laughs> there's a difference between the engineering world and the real world i think and the real world yeah but there's no discussion they're they're being called by manufacturing saying, hey i need a limb this long this poundage this deflection okay we can build it not understanding what the majority of customers i had this discussion with 10 point and they're like oh well we've tested we throw it in the shooting machine we've cock and shooting cock and shooting said that's great i said nobody does that right right you know nobody does that everybody buys a bow six shots into it maybe before they're out in the woods I've had people buy bows and not shoot them. They don't understand. They read in the box, oh, it's sighted in from the factory. No, it's not. It's not even close, you know, right? Yeah. They'll pull out the box, put it all together, screw a broadhead on it, walk in the woods and cock the bow. And that's their first shot is on a deer. Just dumbass luck, the deer and the arrow in the same spot at the same time. But, you know, that's the issue with crossbows. Why are failure rates are so high? They're not getting used. They're not given chance to break in. They're they're sitting in a nice warm cabin, then walking out in the thirty one degree weather, and cocked and sitting there full load all this time, uh, without a chance to acclimate. And uh, you know, and then you add in the amount of poundage, the amount of stress, and everything else, and that they're all full draw the whole time. Vertical bows have failures all the time, and they're under a not even under a tenth of the stress a crossbow is. Right. So that throws a whole wrench into the theories, doesn't it? It does. It brings up a whole bunch of questions. And I got to tell you, I'm not going into this with an agenda 
uh, at all. I'm I'm not looking at no, this. No, no, you're just you're just you're just trying to get some some opinions and some answers. What is happening? What's the ratio? How many times does this happen? Limb breaking in a lot of instances, more so than anything else, is more of a cause of either what I just said, their, their limbs aren't broken in, you know, it's just their thing. And you're gluing dissimilar materials together. You got a hunk of fiberglass and some resin and it's laying on a carbon cord, you're gluing it all together and hoping when you go like this with it, it doesn't break, you know? And every now and then it's gonna break, it happens. The ratio is very low, surprisingly low. Okay. You know, two to 4%, maybe on a bad year. Now that two to 4%, that's a little bit surprising to a lot of people. I will say that on the forums and on the Facebooks and all that stuff, that's the number that's usually thrown around. We always hear two to 4%. We don't get that number released in the form of accurate data from a manufacturer necessarily. They won't give you that information. And I totally get that. I can tell you, however, that I did have a telephone conversation as part of this series with the COO, the chief operating officer of a major crossbow manufacturer. That person spoke with me anonymously, doesn't want that person's name uh, in connection with this video series or with anything else. I appreciate that because, I, and I don't want to put that person on the spot because that person has a very important job. So I won't give the identity of that person. But I will say that in those conversations, two to 4% was confirmed, okay, on the phone at least for what that's worth. So that two to 4% number seems to come up time and again. You may recall from our interview with Mark Beck another podcast you can listen to here on Talking with Bungie, that he's a guy that works in the industry and has for decades. And that's pretty much consistent with his experience as well. Now, what happens, however, is it becomes this scenario now where one guy has a problem with a limb. What's he going to do? He goes on Facebook, goes on the forums, whatever. Oh my God, the limb on my ex-brand boat just blew up, 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 up. And then Six other people across the whole country that happen to have that problem pop on and they go, oh, yeah, mine's done that, too. And now it looks like a pandemic. And it's it, the reality is it's much smaller. Now, let's take your your micro, for example, when the manufacturers start to make these bows smaller and smaller and smaller, and smaller they have to have it's just a whole different nightmare to make a limb do something at that size and still perform like a nice wide long bow. Now, Excalibur had an issue when they first did all this, that when they came in so narrow, the riser was so tight against the fade out that instead of having the limb flexing like that, it would go and hinge at the point of the fade out. It would break right at that spot. Again, I'm going to tell you what the hand gesture is he's making. Imagine your limb sticking straight out and having the riser mounted to where firm up against it, where you pull down on your fingertips. Your fingertips are the limb of the end of the limb. If you pull down your fingertips, it would break right where your fingers start. However, if you leave a little bit of a gap between your riser and your palm of your hand, there's a little bit more room for it to flex so that the the bending can be spread amongst the entire hand, the entire fingers, the entire palm of the hand, hand the, the, the entire limb, in other words. So basically, it was a design flaw. 
is what he's getting at. Their fix after they figured out what was going on. And, and I talked to them. They brought in, they run the manufacturers of the raw materials for the fiberglass and the resin to try to figure this out. Turns out it was putting pressure right here. And if you look at the new risers, they have a gap. It's rounded. Now, instead of being locked here and hinging there, the whole limb flexes. Eliminated all that pinch. Limb problems have gone pretty much. I don't have really a lot of problems with micro limbs occasionally, but it's rare. Not like when they first came out. So the manufacturers chase this. They don't want to deal with it anymore than anybody else does. And they can test things. The testing maneuvers are ridiculous. Are, are you familiar with how these manufacturers test things? Only from what I've heard in podcasts, that sort of thing. Like I've listened to folks from Raven talk about their 5,000 shots and all that sort of thing. And without but again, all that. cock and shoot and cock and shoot and cock yep. and shoot. Yeah, exactly. No, I understand. I understand. That's not the same thing. These limbs used to be that they'd take them. And uh, I remember going to Parker years ago and the way they tested their bows for poundage and deflection, they'd assemble the bow, they'd hook it onto a thing and they'd pull it down and measure the poundage and go, yeah, it worked. <laughs> you know, okay. old school. That was, that was like 15 years ago. Um, 10 point, for example, has this robot that grabs a limb, brings it out, flexes it, twists it, measures it with a laser, does all sorts of things, and then goes over and sorts it. And no human touches it. At the end of the thing, they have completely matched sorted limbs that have been separated from everything else. And uh, their limb failure rates ridiculously low. We still get an occasional one, but you can't tell. It's all microscopic. All of a sudden, it's a little edge splinter clicks up or something. But like I said, we don't see a lot of bad limbs that I can't turn around and go, okay, either either something happened or, or, you know, how I, 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 I had one customer, he says, oh, my limbs split. And I'm like, yeah, the dent in the middle of it's an indicator that it wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, and, and a lot of them and in dry fires, you, you know, you dry fire a 200 pound bow and that shock will do it. Um, so we're not seeing a lot of problems with limbs. Uh, it, it happens occasionally, usually with brand new bows that come out. And like I said, it's that, it's that pinch. Then testing didn't show up after they've built 500 bows and everything. And then all of a sudden they find this is an issue. So they have to go in and do a line change, correct it. And then from then on out, there's no problem. Um, you know, we've seen like, you know, uh, limb tips come off or, or, uh, or splits at the very end of the limb where the axle goes through. And then, and all of a sudden, You'll pull a new bow out of the box and there's a bolt that kind of is in there as a support mechanism or a metal cap or something. You know, they, they, the manufacturers are very much on top of this. Once it gets to a certain percentage of limb failures, they go, okay, what the hell is going on? And they'll go back and they start fixing things. So uh, it, it's rare that they continue on for years without some form of fix. Um, but yeah, limb failures happen, but it's not as bad as you think. So and usually, again, it's a lot of times it's the bow blew up and the broke the limbs, you know. Oh, I, I got you. Yeah. Now, can you tell me let's when limbs are they all made out of the fiberglass on, you know, the rosin, the fiberglass are all the limbs made of pretty much the same material on the modern crossbows? They're all over the place. Okay. Um, a lot of them are carbon cores, solid cores with most of them are a solid carbon core. And then they laminate e-glass. This is one of the fun things about it. Have you, have you ever made a bow? A oh, laminated, no. laminated fiberglass bows. I, I made. I used to make some. It was actually kind of neat. 
Um, you're making a sandwich out of fiberglass and various materials. Uh, you have a core, usually carbon fiber or something. And then you are layering um, uh, fiberglass, strip fiberglass on top of that. And you glue it all together under pressure. And then you start getting in and cleaning stuff up. Now, um, here's a great example. 10 point when they first came out with their, uh, their AccuSlide model bows. And, and this was an extremely short-lived problem. This was something they immediately picked up and stopped. The ends of their limbs were sharp, were like sharp. It would just come out flat across the top of the limb, 90 degrees down to the sides and in flight nine. And right at that sharp edge, they'd get an edge splinter. Now it was almost cosmetic. It, it, it was a little sliver. It didn't really affect the performance or the longevity, but you spend a lot of money for a bow. It shouldn't have a piece of fiberglass sticking out. So what happens with that is that they ended up going back and immediately said, okay, the edges are too sharp. So they round the edges over that radius took care of all the edge splinters. Now, when you look at the way they're done, if you have a solid core and, and, and I'm sure you've seen delaminated limbs um, on compound bows, Excalibur's an exception. They're the only company that actually makes all the limbs by hand in-house, like the same way they did back when Bill Trowbridge owned it. Uh, they're kind of, kind of a different group up there. Um, but most of them are production made and the end, uh, those, the, the glass on these things is all linear fiberglass. It's all long strips of fiberglass. And what will happen on that sharp edge, you'll get this splink, and all of a sudden this little edge will pop up or you'll see a nice solid cut. There'll be a little crack, the crack lines up. And next thing you know, it's like, boink, and you get this little sliver will come out and you'll see underneath it, the core, uh, the core is solid, but the outside layer laminate is what keeps, you know, starts falling apart. There was another company, I will not mention names, that had an issue with cracking on the limbs and it was 100% cosmetic, but it looked like crap, you know? Didn't hurt anything, the bow would last forever, but it just looked like garbage. Their solution was to put another laminate on either side and the laminate was woven, so it was crisscross pattern. So when the cracks didn't line up, it, it hit a wall, couldn't line up the crack. It would still crack. You would just never see it. Right. Um, and uh, uh, Barnett was good for that. They dunked the whole thing in rubber. You'd never know there was anything wrong with the limb until it folded up on you. Uh, so, uh, oh, it's dampening the limb. No, it's hiding all your cracks. Uh, so there's a number of different things back and forth with this. And, and you kind of have to turn around and say, okay, is it a cosmetic or is it a structural Failure. Structural failure is obviously sitting in the woods. The next thing you know, it's sitting up like that. That's a complete delamination or it starts unfolding. You'll, you'll actually see them. You'll have the core and then you have this big fold sitting up on top with a, with a whole outer thing of e-glass just unglued. And you can't test for that. You can't, you can microscope, you put it under a, a x-ray machine and go, okay, there's an air pocket. You really can't. It looks solid until something goes wrong. So um, it's, it, it, they test as many as they can. They do all sorts of interesting things, try to, interesting things to try to get these to stop. Um, here's a little interesting point. There was one manufacturer who couldn't get their limbs done fast enough. And they were trying, they weren't using hydro dipping, which is dipped in water. And very safe, doesn't do anything to the fiberglass, but they were using a different different method that's actually applied by heat. And they called up the company and says, we really need these done fast. Can you do these fast? Well, the company's like, oh, sure. Yeah, we, no problem at all. We can, we can make these, get them a bunch faster for you. No problem at all. Hung up the phone and say, hey, Charlie, turn up the heat. 
Okay. You had real pretty limbs that were baked. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they were falling apart. And they, they go back and go, no, 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 stop, stop. We got to do something else. So um, in a lot of instances, it's just, you've got so many steps involved in so many companies trying to do things that, it, you know, they don't, sometimes they just don't understand what they're doing. You know, uh, um, I had that problem in a lot of instances with uh, companies that, uh, albeit are very, very good at what they do, but they don't happen to know crossbows. And I oh, get into yeah. that argument. That I get into odd arguments all the time. You know, it's like, this is great. Can you make this to work on a crossbow? Works fine on a crossbow. No, it doesn't. You know, and then I have to sit there and explain it and get in trouble and yell at people and ask to leave the booth. Um, there are a few booths at the AT I'm not allowed in. But yeah, we've had very good luck overall with manufacturers. You do get runs of problems and, and the manufacturers do come right back and fix it and try to address it. Uh, but it's not as doom and gloom as you'd think. But boy, So across the, the industry, you've had in, instances over the years. You've been in business for how long selling crossbows? Oh, God. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, this particular set, Wyvern, we're in our 15th year. Um, right. Okay. Been, so we're at I least mean, at 15. Right. Yeah. That, that, yeah. The actual experience is much older, but I understand that. Yeah. Over those 15 years, it sounds like most of the problems that you've had have been some kind of design thing that was quickly corrected or addressed by the company in most instances. And the actual just breakages across the board are two to 4% were kind of in that range if that a lot if of that, if the that. actual percentage numbers are very small um yeah do folks Both contact are, you when when one of their products that they purchase from you breaks do they go through you so you would know if it breaks i mean you're involved in that warranty the majority process. of people contact us i mean it, it, realistically you know we don't build the boat we just pack them up and sell okay uh we're a warranty center for most of them or whatever and and uh you know i sell all over the world so uh it becomes interesting we actually had a guy in india that had to mail us mail a bow back you know because he blew it up he misloaded an arrow blew the thing up had to mail it all the way from india we paired it mailed it all the way back to india um but most people contact us you know they, realistically they may have bought a 10 point but they bought it from wyvern so, you know, it, it, even though I didn't build it, it's my responsibility to make sure they're at the very least taken care of. Okay. Right. One way or the other, whether it be me who fixes it, 10 point fixes it, their service center fix it, you know, whatever. Someone somewhere has got to get involved to make sure. And I usually like to work on the theory that even if I don't physically hit it with an Allen wrench to fix it, I at least want to be involved so that if there's a problem, I can get involved. Um, we had an issue for a long time. And it's, it's been a lot better since, but we had an issue where all of a sudden we get this email or phone call from someone absolutely fit to be tied. And then, you know, they're, they're about ready to, you know, drive here and throw the thing through our windows and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, somewhere a month before they had a problem. They never contacted us. They had an issue with communication. They couldn't get this done. Something didn't work right, whatever. And by the time I heard about it, it was a disaster. Now I'm going in trying to do damage control. I would rather have an email. Hey, limb on my Excalibur cracked. What do I do? Okay. My answer normally would be give Excalibur call because Excalibur mail you new limbs and then you can bolt them on your garage and you're ready to go. Uh, or whatever, you know, what do we need to do? Do I need to get involved? Do, do they have a local dealer that can fix it? How, what's the fastest way to get this person back in the woods? And, and sometimes it's send the boat to me. Sometimes I will send them the parts, whatever. Um, but I generally like to be involved if for no other reason, 
so that if a week later they're like, hey, look, I've been on dead hold with these, this company I can't get through. Uh, that just happened recently with one customer. He had a problem with a bone and he emailed, never got a response, sat on hold for an hour and a half, never got a response. Calls me, I says, hey, look, I'm trying to get a hold of him to get this fixed. You know, can you help me? Yeah, hang on a minute. I have my direct line to my guy, you know, hey, here's the information that, 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 can you help this guy? Within an hour, he was all taken care of. That's why I need to be involved in this because I'm not going to turn around. Well, I didn't build it, you know, buy it from, you know, I didn't build it. Talk to the manufacturer. I don't want to hear about you unless you, you know, too many dealers do that. Um, at the very least, let me see about making a phone call, see what I can do. Uh, not every answer is perfect, but we try. Um, the, uh, the, the issue is going to be that, you know, if you crack a limb, um, it's rarely a quick fix. Um, most of the manufacturers have spare limbs and everything like that, but it'll depend on what the deal is. Like uh, 10 Point, for example, has warranty service centers. These are people that they have actually turned around and certified that they will be able to work on your bow. They will not send limbs to Bass Pro Shop. You bought your bow from Bass Pro Shop, Bass Pro Shop, the guy's gonna look at your slack jaw and go oh, talk to them um but uh if you get like a 10 point they'll say okay send it to one of the service centers and and the theory is that these guys have been trained to do this uh we have seen uh limbs put on backwards upside down uh i mean uh, just uh, timing's wow. off i mean just some of these guys it's like dude you, I get it. You're like a premier vertical bow shop on the planet. You know, this is nothing more than a vertical bow narrower. The theories are the same. If you can't set the timing of a bow this wide, I don't really trust you to do one that's 34 inches wide. I think, you know, somewhere there's a disconnect. So a lot of times we'll run into issues where the, uh, uh, the local dealer is just an idiot. He shouldn't be anywhere near a set of Allen wrenches. Um, and the customer has to, at that point in time, mail the bow back to us or to the manufacturer, or whatever. And, and they don't break in May. They break, you know, late November. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah it's yep. part of the problem. So we try to get it done as fast as we can. And, and there is a downtime if you break a limb or something. And uh, the question here is, what do you do to prevent it? You know, what, what right. can you do that, the limbs aren't going to fail on you. And, and I think that's leading into probably one of your other questions about arrow weight. Um, but uh, overall, we've had very good luck with the manufacturers. General rule of thumb, standing behind the product and trying to get stuff as quickly as possible. They're just, they're just overwhelmed. Um, and I hate to say it, but we don't have a lot of actual real warranty work. Uh, legitimate, this is a product that just failed on its own or whatever vast majority of our problems are user error uh you know misuse not enough use they don't use the bow enough to understand how to cock it decock it whatever uh how to load the arrow right they're rushing in the morning it's pitch black in their tree stand they you know they couldn't see uh you know all the all the the best one i usually say probably three quarters of my repairs start with the words i lent my bow to don't ever lend your bow to. Right, right. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> and, yeah, because it's usually, well, I gave it to my son. Well, did, did you show him how to use the bow? Well, <laughs> well, okay. Well, you weren't 100% sure yourself. So he's at about 60%. Yeah, chances are good. It's not going to work. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of that going on. And uh, 
that's preventable. Uh, and I'm a big, I tell people, use the bows, you know, get used to them. Um, that prevents more of our problems than anything else. Boy, I'm really sorry to stop at this point, but we're getting kind of long with this podcast. I like to keep them around half an hour. I've told you that in previous episodes. I'm going to come back with more of Dave from Wyvern Creations in a future podcast. You'll get to hear the rest of that interview. Don't you worry. This way, you've got this one to listen to and digest and think about and go back to watching the Breaking Limbs series on the YouTube channel. And once you're caught up, we'll come back and there'll be more from Darren Cummings next week, as well as Dave from Wyvern Creations down the road as well. And one additional interview will make its way into Talking with Bungie as well. Until that time, all hail Bungie. Bungie.